Hello and good evening once again. Online with Light here with Brother Nick Ives. And I am happy to bring you another program on Connecticut Freemasons on behalf of the Committee for Masonic Education. Um, we're using Mellon. We think it's working pretty good. And uh, I, I think we've got our comments worked out a lot better now. So we'll be happy to have your comments and we'll try and acknowledge everyone who pops up in the, in the screen. So uh, I promised a great guest this week, and I certainly am not going to disappoint. He's someone who's been on online with light before. Whenever I need to talk, I can just always call up brother Jason and man, it, he's always got something interesting to say. I'm so glad he's here with us tonight. So I want to talk a little about my guest, right? Worshipful brother, Jason Morse, past master of Cosmopolitan Lodge number 125 in New Haven. He's also the current master of Quinta Essential Lodge number 500. And uh, they're also in New Haven, and they do use Whitney Avenue, and they use other buildings, which we'll talk about tonight. He's a past district deputy for District 4A, and we traveled together uh, when we were on the road in District 4A, and I was very happy. It was a great two years working with Jason, and I learned a lot from him. So you're going to learn a lot from him, too, which is why I am happy to have him on the show tonight to talk about the dining hall. If you're thinking about a dining program, I know that we're in COVID, but guess what? right around the corner, ready to feed those brothers and make their bellies happy. So to talk about managing that program, I am so happy to have Right Words Brother Jason. Nice to have you on board. Thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having me, Nick. I appreciate it. So I have a reason why I'm ha- I have you on the show. And Jason and I met. I ate his food before I met him. So I actually visited Cosmopolitan Lodge as uh, just I went down to take a visit. Your food is fantastic. You had lots of it. It was well-priced. And I think our first conversation was about scotch. Just afterward, we talked about some of the great scotches we enjoyed. And Mm -hmm. I know that you're a connoisseur of food, which is um, one of the reasons why I've asked you to come and talk about this because you manage your program so well and your lodge was so well-fed, and they still are. But a lot of the things that you've done, I think, have inspired brothers – so I'd like to talk to you today just a little bit about how you view setting up a program in a traditional lodge setting where we do have food. And I know now we don't, but if I was approaching this and saying, boy, I got to put together a program, I'm not a chef, I don't know what to do, uh, what are the, some of the approaches you could take of building a team to help you, and how would you set up um, getting ready to take over a kitchen? Well, first and foremost, I just want to say um, – as, as a rule of thumb for myself, because I've been junior warden more than once. I've been junior warden at more than one lodge. Um, brothers are sacrificing time with their families, sacrificing time with friends, whatever, to come to lodge. And if you're going to feed a brother or a group of brothers, you have to make it worth the while. If, if you're just going to feed them bad food, stale donuts, bad coffee, whatever, uh, it's, it's going to have a direct reflection on who continues to show up. So making sure that brothers are well-fed, not necessarily by, you know, troublefuls of food, but by quality of food, I, I think that's paramount. Now, and, as far as just, this, I just want to interrupt you. You were getting a little bit of static uh, when your microphone moves on your tie. We're just getting a little bit of a crackle. So I just want to kind of let you know, okay? Thank you. Sorry, okay. brother. I didn't mean to interrupt your flow. That's nah, okay. I'll just stop moving. <laughs> okay. But um, uh, what was I saying? Uh, when when you initially set things up, 
that that is how you have to look at things is that you have to have quality food for these brothers um it's paramount i i don't think you have to be a chef in order to pull this off you just have to know how to turn on a stove how to turn on an oven how to read a recipe it's that simple Um, you don't have to do anything overly complicated this has to be fresh and taste good and you know not raise somebody's cholesterol 50 points every time you (laughs) eat it i mean that's that's also a good idea and, and that's an interesting point. I, you know, I didn't think about this earlier, but talking about health. And by the way, uh, hello, Brother Thomas. Nice to see you as well. Uh, he gave us a little hello. I always love when people hit us up in the chat. Um, it, w- when you approach a regular lodge meeting, now I know a lot of lodges meet probably about 7, 7.30ish, and many have dinner beforehand. And you want to try and entice people to come in and spend a little fellowship time. How would you, as the chef, set up a regular night of cooking, and what are some dishes you might look into? Um, well, I try not to load a brother up um, because, honestly, you know how some business meetings can get. If this is just a regular meeting, if you have a brother that eats a lot of food, you know you, you don't want him falling asleep. You know what I mean? <laughs> if they're sitting there stuffed, you know there's a good chance they're going to get a little groggy. So that's one thing you want to avoid uh, is copious amounts of food. You should be able to feed everybody just about right. Um, and as far as easy things to do, there's, there's a plethora of easy things to do. Uh, one thing I try to avoid at all costs is pasta. I mean, pasta is a lot of people's go-to. You say, well, yeah, let's hit them with some baked ziti. I, nearly any brother you speak to, you're like, well, I, I think I've had baked ziti 45 million times. And it's just not it, – it has to be special in order to be good. And avoid pasta. Uh, as far as you know, good recipes to use. Um, there, it, it's really kind of hard to say. Well, I did this, or I did that, or I did this. I mean, I don't think I, I repeated myself too often, unless somebody absolutely positively asked for it, or enough people asked for it. But just make it light. You're not you're not trying to have a five course meal. Not to mention. You know, your budget's probably not going to permit that. And, you know, I have a, I I rail against chicken franchise. Every time I do a speech, I'm like, please, God, no more chicken franchise. We had someone asked uh, in the comments if we do fried chicken. I, I, I've never had fried chicken at a lodge meeting, but I would go for that for sure. One of my students say was he works at Popeye's. He's like, don't eat at Popeye's, man. It's not, it's not clean at the Wallingford Popeye's. I was like, all right, I don't want to besmirch Popeye's. But he was like, don't go there. But I love fried chicken. Like That's something that's unique. But we get a lot of times where we have the same things. And you mentioned pasta. And let me tell you something. Um, I get that. Like the pasta thing, like, hey, here's spaghetti and ragu. And you're like, please, God, like, you know, this is not again. Uh, and chicken franchise everywhere. It's like a little lemon chicken or chicken a la mon. And you're like, it's the same dish, please. How do you introduce some variety? Where did you get inspiration to try something different and maybe kind of branch out from the norm? Uh, well, what I used to do, and, you know, I, I never really got terrible feedback about it, but I always had themed meals and i usually say well hey where do you want to travel to next meeting you know we did a mediterranean night we did you know food from ireland like not corned beef and cabbage <laughs> real food from ireland and well not from ireland i didn't fly to ireland to buy the food and move it back but um you know i did indian food um 
Sometimes I just did, uh, you know, a simple meat and potatoes, but it was always thematic. So when I did the Mediterranean, uh, you know, I did a little bit from North Africa. I did a little bit from Greece, something from Turkey, you know, so it was all, you know, tied together quite nicely. And it was, it was light. It was healthy, not difficult to prepare and didn't cost a fortune. So I was warned before I became a district deputy that you get the, the district deputy 20 pounds or so from eating all these lodge meals. I was always wary, so I, I often would eat before I went out, um, and I would say to myself, I better eat something healthy because I, I'm trying really hard to be fit. But if I go to a lot of lodge meetings, I was getting a lot of um, very fatty meals like you mentioned you don't want to ruin someone's cholesterol um obviously you want them to be flavorful you don't want like everyone we're having salad again but you know how do you incorporate health into your decision making process um well first and foremost you know if if a brother had a dietary restriction i would try to accommodate them you know now if it's just a preference i was a little like well you know Sorry, you know, not that I needed to see their, their medical records, but I was like, you know, if you have a medical issue and dietary restrictions, that's fine. I'll try to accommodate you. But most of the time, I try to be as healthy as possible. Uh, desserts, not so much. But um, as far as the main courses go, I mean, it's, it's sensible. I mean, like you would try to eat at home, hopefully. You know, not a whole lot of fatty foods, you know, not so much meat. And if it is meat, try to be lean, um, you know. Fish, chicken, that sort of thing. It's, it's, unless I started rattling off recipes and menus that I've done in the past, I mean, it's it's really difficult to kind of narrow down. But I mean, it's it's you're eating sensible. And what would be like you know, an example not, of like your favorite meal that you've made? Could you just give us one example of a meal that you made? You're like, I thought this was really successful. It ticked all the boxes of health. And it was quality. It was affordable. Um, what's a like one like your best meal that you made? And if you say chicken franchise, I'm going to freak out. So <laughs> I hope it wasn't that. <laughs> well, you don't have to worry about that because one thing I didn't do. I mean, let's put it this way: we're we're in the Haven Lodge. You know, both lodges I'm a member of were in the Haven Lodges. I, I think everybody can probably do without Italian food. You know, because everybody's had just a plethora of Italian food. Nothing against Italian food. Don't get me wrong, but. You know, everybody's probably had, you know, quite a bit of a time. So I usually avoided that. So chicken franchise would, would be in that category. So nobody in my, you know, when I was doing the work, had chicken franchise. I can tell you that. But I was always really proud of the St. Patrick's Day observances that I, that I cooked for everyone, uh, which is usually consisted of uh, an old recipe for my family for soda bread, Really good soda bread, not soda bread that when you eat it, you're instantly dehydrated because it's so dry. Um, you know, a lamb stew, which is always just absolutely amazing. You know, I found a good recipe and tweaked it over the years, and it's it's a really good one. Um, and I always had a uh, a salmon chowder, a smoked salmon chowder, which you know some of the brothers of uh, I. Uh, and Cosmopolitan Lodge took issue with what I did to the uh, smoked salmon, but it's like, look, I know, I, I understand where you're coming from, but I'll just give it a try, and they loved it. Um, that was probably the only thing that was, you know, bordering on the non-healthy side, only because of the amount of cream and everything else. But it was it was relatively light, fresh uh, dessert, um, Irish car bomb uh, muffins, uh, which 
you know, anybody who's been to a bar and ordered one, uh, you know, it's, you know, a lot of Baileys, a lot of whiskey, but uh, they were uh, chocolate cupcakes with a uh, chocolate ganache on the, uh, on the inside uh, and Baileys uh, buttercream frosting on the outside. And the, and the chocolate was Guinness chocolate. So. See, this is why I had you on the show. This sounds, I just ate and I think I want to eat again. <laughs> this sounds really good. And we have a, a viewer from Waterbury. Um, just, he's asking where our lodges are located. Uh, my mother lodges in Meriden, Connecticut, and uh, Jason's are in New Haven. So that's uh, just so you know where we're from. Uh, now, that's a regular lodge night. Now, special events come around awards night, you got installation. Uh, and it could be, you know, any kind of major event where you're inviting a lot of people and you don't really know how many people are coming. How did you manage kind of the head count and understanding, well, I got to feed these people. You know, if the grandmaster shows up, I better have a play for him, but I don't know if the grandmaster is coming or not. Um, how do you manage the big event, knowing the number and, and making the right amount of food and the right kind? Well, uh, for, for the big events, like, like say for installation, um, you can always talk to the past masters of your lodge um, or people in know within your lodge, people that have been members for a long time. Most of the time, there are historical figures that you, well, not historical figures, historical numbers that you can go by. Yeah, Abe Lincoln was. Yeah, yeah. Benedict Arnold. Um, oh, sorry. I was at Hiram Lodge. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's right. Um, but somebody always knows kind of like a rough idea of what the attendance usually is. Like, uh, say, Cosmopolitan. You know, it was always you know, 85 to 150, let's say, for an installation. Because, you know, it's, it's, it's in the Haven Lodge. There's, there's, the attendance is a little high because it's a city lot. Um, so that, that's the number you go by. Um, and, you know, like, installations usually don't go for reservations. So you basically have to just kind of shotgun a number out there, prepare as much food as you can, and hope for the best. Um, if you make a little more than you think, or you order a little more than you think if you're going to cater it, then you're probably going to be okay. But the biggest thing you can do with that is portion control. And you start making sure, if you think you're going to be tight, have people manning the stations to actually portion the food out so you have a little more control instead of people just, you know, they have one guy that heaps up a plate four times and then the person behind them doesn't have anything to eat. And, you know, it happens. I've seen that in, in uh, Meriden. We had these plates. There were these beautiful pieces of china, but they were smaller plates. And so we always would pass out always the small do. plates. Then you get Mount Vesuvius on top. You know, it's this giant, this giant pile of food. And it's like, guys, there's going to be plenty. I, I promise you, brother, there's going to be plenty of food. Uh, we did a couple breakfast. I, I cooked a couple breakfasts. I, we had degrees on a weekend because we had so many people one year. And I would just take the eggs, you know, two pieces of bacon, and the toast, and all right, next. And I would just, by doing that, able to kind of, like you're saying, you kind of measure this. Now, there's always leftover. There was always, but usually after people eat their first plate, then uh, they're full, and they don't need to go back. <laughs> for They're like, oh, I don't really want it. I'm full now. But when they're hungry, they pile it on. And, yes, Belly Mason's uh, Brother Jamie, yes, um, that's important. you got got to feed them all. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about the finance side of this. How much did you expect, like, did you do it by the head or how did you budget for this? How did the lodge pay? Did the lodge just give you money or did you have your own fund? How did that work for you? Well, it, it kind of evolved because I was, I was junior warden more than once. Um, but in, in Cosmopolitan, for instance, um, 
the the food budget is is a line item, or the food number is a line item in the budget. So the lodge typically would pay for a lot of the food. And once again, you know, Gary Cohen's very good about projecting what the numbers are going to be. So he had a pretty good handle on what the number is. I came in, I, I think my first year as junior warden, I, I think I kind of ruined the number because <laughs> I, I made sure that everybody ate well, but they ate well to the point where the number was modified. Um, it's just like, look, it's not realistic. You can't feed you know, quality food to brothers for amount X. So that got bumped up a little bit. Uh, one thing that we started doing was we had a steward's fund, and that's pretty common with other lodges too. And you know, when there was a refreshment, you know, outside of meals, you know, meals you usually pay for, you know, whether it be ten dollars a head, fifteen dollars a head, depending on what the occasion was. But the steward's fund was essentially for refreshment. It was voluntary. You come in, you know, if you're going to have, you know, a sandwich or something like that, you're still throwing a dollar to the steward's fund. And what we would do is twice a year, we dip into that steward's fund and kind of like give back to everyone, whether it be a barbecue in June or the credit members center in December. You know, that was the one that was free for everyone. So the steward's fund. Yeah, your, your, mic, fund. your mic is uh, starting to crackle again a little bit. Sorry. All right, I'll throw it over my shoulder. <laughs> uh, sorry about that. It's but okay. uh, it's... We use the stewards fund to, to help finance the things like that. And when you get, when you get back to the brothers, I think they appreciate it. Most of the time when you're, you're giving something away for free, who doesn't appreciate that? It's, but it's, it's part of being junior warden is being able to work within that budget. And that's not easy all the time. Now you, you said you charge a stewards fund. Did you have like a, a ticket system or I've seen some places where you buy a token at the door and then when you go up, you just drop your token in the bin. I've seen it where there's a, you know, someone's at the door be like $10 or $15 and you got to, you know, they kind of hunt you down. I've seen some places where you buy your tickets well in advance. How do you collect money and, and what are the parameters that you're looking for uh, when you do that? Cause I know that's probably a pretty stressful part of being junior warden is saying, you know, Hey, I, I you gotta, you've got a meal. I gotta get the money for that. Or is it just like a free donation where they can pick and choose and the lodge kind of supplements? Well, when it, when it's a paid for dinner and, and this is fairly common, like you have to, you know, pay for your meal. Uh, you RSVP as junior warden, you know, you make the announcement and say you have to RSVP by this date, which 80% of the people follow. And that's being generous. Uh, but an RSVP date is, is pretty important because you need time to shop. You need time to, to plan your menu. You need time to do a lot of different things. But the RSVP by that certain date. And you don't necessarily have to prepay. But if you're going to prepay, have a PayPal account, a Venmo account, Venmo account, or something like that where people can prepay. Because that takes, takes a lot of the pressure off collecting the money the night of. Uh, which is always a pain in the butt. But ours, but reservations are always key. But reservations are, you know, not always accurate, which is which is unfortunate. Um, so I would usually announce, and I would I would take the hit for this because I, I'll be the bad guy. I'll announce before we even started taking money or before we even say, look, if you made a reservation like you were supposed to and you paid like you were supposed to, get in line. You know, we're, we'll, we'll start serving. If you didn't make a reservation, then 
you when everybody else is fed, then you can be fed. But everybody's fed. Everybody's fed. I don't care if you showed up with you know thirty seconds notice. But it, it is stressful as a junior warden to have to worry about you know, reservations, payment, that sort of thing. And I, I know that your lodge, uh, Cosmopolitan in particular, has a paid members dinner. It's like a almost like a benefit for paying your dues on time. And could right. you just tell us a little bit about that and and what that dinner is like? I've I've been there. I was visiting as a district deputy, and uh, there was everybody came out for that. I mean, that was like that was a big hit. Uh, can you just talk a little bit about that and how that's an incentive for paying your dues on time? Well, my years as Julian Ward, and I tried to make something special and. To be honest, I don't even remember what I made because it was uh, it's a number of years ago now. But um, what the the tradition there is that the second meeting in December, first meeting, first meeting, no, second meeting in December was always the paid up members dinner, which hopefully you've paid your dues by that time, and it was the lodge's way of saying thank you. And it was a chance for brothers that don't come around a lot to get together. So it was a nice free meal. Uh, I always tried to make it a good one. You know, not hot dogs and beans. Somebody did that one year as a joke. And I was like, well, it's, if you're going to serve beans, do it after the after the meeting, not before the meeting. That's just my opinion. But, uh, it's, it's, it's Security nice, measures. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Unless you have high ceilings. If you have high ceilings, that's fine. But... Uh, it's just uh, it's a nice way of, of giving back to uh, to your members. Yeah, that yeah. Franks and Beans thing is definitely a sin. I had a a brother who came to Meridian Lodge and he had worked probably about I don't know three like three days in a row for like twelve hours, but he wanted to make lodge. He's like, I'm going to be there, mm-hmm. and he showed up, and it was Franks and Beans. And there wasn't enough. He didn't even get any Franks. He just just beans and like bean juice and. He's starving and he's in his suit and he's like, man, I should have just gone home. And I was like, no, I'm really sorry. We ordered a pizza for him because we felt bad. But, um, mm-hmm. the, you know, the, the person doing it's point, and, and this is going to my next question, is he's like, I'm making money on this. I'm making money for the lodge. And, you know, we would look at him and be like, yeah, but we're all miserable, man. Like, um, you know, how do you balance that, like, profit margin versus what the mission is, which is the fellowship? I mean, how did you do it as a junior warden? Well, I tried to, I, I tried to maintain break even. That's that's what I tried to do. Um, most of the time, I did that. Um, and there's a fair number of times that I that I made a little bit of profit. And sometimes, you know, if there was enough profit, we kick it into the stewards fund. So one way or the other, you know, if the the regular brothers are going to get it back, you know, if 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 a brother is sporadic with his attendance, then he might be able to reap the benefits of of you know, having X number of meals that you paid like $10 for, $15 for, which is reasonable if you're going out to dinner. I don't care who you are. Um, but that's that's a good way of being able to kind of recoup some of that profit, give it back to the brothers. I mean, that's the way I use it. Break even is all I ever wanted to do. It's, it's not supposed to be about profit. It's supposed to be presenting a good meal to your brothers, making them happy, promoting fellowship, not making money. So... Do you have any experiences where it was like a blown night where you're making a, a meal? It just didn't go come out as you expected. And, and you kind of go, Oh my goodness, how am I going to get out of this one? Uh, and how did you cope with that? I, Cause I'm sure everyone's nervous. Like what if I get out there and, and make a, a meal 
And everyone's like, oh, this one really, this wasn't the win. I, I cooked a pork shoulder the other night for my wife, and it was supposed to fall apart at the end. And then I took it out, and it was more like clunk. I'm like, oh, no. And uh, But we still had to eat, so I chopped it up as best I could, and I just tried to make the best of it. And, you know, I looked over. I was kind of like, how is it? She kind of was like, mm. you know, <laughs> one of those things. You're going to have those nights as, as a, a chef at any time. How, could you give an example of maybe how you uh, dealt with a struggle? Uh, I have to be honest. I, it, it never happened to me. Oh, lucky uh, guy. I, I, I think the only thing I, I ruffled feathers a few times because, you know, I didn't do what some brothers expected, you know, at a given meal, or I tried to introduce something new that, you know, people were not really keen on that. That's the only way I really kind of bombed. But if I'm going to introduce something new and, you know, it may be questionable as far as, you know, everybody liking it. You know, I usually try to, you know, counter it with something that everybody likes or a really nice dessert or just something to kind of cancel out something that might be negative. You just have to think ahead a little bit. If you're doing something new, people might not like it. Make a really good dessert. That's a good, that's a very good idea. I can tell you, I, as master, I request the taco night from the junior warden and uh, it was a good night. We had tacos. Everyone was like, tacos but this isn't pasta or chicken franchise <laughs> i know i keep harping on those but we really were eating those a lot so the taco night was like a, a buffet and everybody kind of made their tacos and we had like what's on your taco what you know and it was kind mm-hmm. of a nice night i i enjoyed that so i, I never want, served green beans by the way never, never. see i like not green once. beans though i do i don't i don't mind so do green I. beans but they're stigmatized within Mason. So <laughs> like, I'm not going to do the, the gray green beans. Been, <laughs> you know, it's blanched for down. two hours. <laughs> right. Cooked so much. It's broken down to the molecular level. It's like, no, I'm not, I'm not doing it. green slime. All right. <laughs> well, um, I, I want to shift gears a little bit. Cause you're a member of another lodge as well. Uh, quintessentia number 500, where you're worshipful master and you have a very different model for eating. You actually, have your lodge meeting and eat for the most part at the graduate club in New Haven, which is a very cool place. And I've visited one of your meetings. I was blown away by it. Can you talk about how you handle, instead of you cooking, you're using an outside service, how that works and what that looks like. Well, quintessential, we, we do things differently. There's some things that we do based on an old model. There are some things that we do based on a new model and some things that we just kind of do on our own. You know, we're, we're, a, we're a mishmash and a hybrid of a lot of different things. But as far as uh, meals go, we, we only meet uh, for business meetings in New Haven on our informal nights because we alternate between formal and informal meetings. Um, not getting too complicated. That's, that's essentially what we do. So when we meet at the lodge building, for an informal meeting, which is very quick. Uh, afterwards, we go to a restaurant. Everybody pays for their own meal, and that's great. We move on. We have kind of like a mini festive board because we're all really tight. Every meeting we have is usually followed by you know a really, really deep, very cool conversation. Uh, festive boards. Uh, our typical festive board is that we'll go to the graduate club. Uh, we meet there, open, you know, have our business meeting, opening at 5:30, take care of our business, and then we have our cocktail hour from, say, six to seven, and then we do uh, various toasts to start the evening, and then we start our festive board. But as far as 
not having a lodge building to maintain or a kitchen to cook in or anything else like that. It's a model that works for us very well. And I'm, you mentioned cocktail hour. Now I noticed you're having cocktail hour after lodge is closed. Um, could you talk about alcohol and how that works? And uh, I, I'm of the mind that drinking before a lodge meeting is like pouring gasoline on a fire if there's a problem. And, you know, it's, it, it, I've, I've seen it go wrong a few times. How do you guys manage the whole alcohol thing with your lodge? Uh, well, it's common sense. Um, you don't even have to be a mason to do that. I mean, we're going to a business meeting, a business meeting where you're conducting business. Depending on your business, I mean, if you want to have a four martini lunch and still conduct business, more power to you. But for Masons and, you know, you should not be drinking before a, a meeting. It's just, it's poor form. It's really poor form. Um, you, you, if you're going to allow uh, alcohol to cloud your mind, cloud your judgment, if you have important votes to make, then, you know, you should probably reconsider that custom of drinking before a meeting. If you're going to have a dinner before the meeting, don't drink. You know, is it nice to have a, a glass of wine with your meal? Sure it is. But in quintessential, it's not something that happens. You know, we conduct our business first. And I know that you know this and many of the viewers know this. I'm currently the master of Ouroboros 151, which is very similar in some ways to Quinta Essentia. Um, our lodge meeting is always at 6.30, and we meet on the fourth Tuesday. And then I try to get lodge closed by 7.30 and at a festive board. And, and I'm going to talk to you about festive board in just a second, like what that actually looks like, um, starting at 7.30. And again, we all just pass the check. And we have some brothers who prefer not to drink. And they have a coffee. Um, some brothers who just want to eat. Um, it's it's kind of a hodgepodge. I have never once seen a check pass in the Masonic group where we had to worry about how much everyone put in. And I, I asked the junior warden, I say, you, you just be the last one and do the count. Like count it up and make sure, just double check. Because we also don't mind having a cocktail after lodge um, at this thing. And sometimes people's math is off. But I've, always seen very big tips and the restaurant's usually pretty empty on a Tuesday night. And uh, the waitress is always happy to see us. Oh, you guys are back. Nice to have you again. Cause she knows she's going to get like 30% because everyone and, and the junior warden has once or twice just because of a math error said, Hey everyone, five more. And it's usually not five, but 10 or what, and just people throw in uh, to make it work. So um, that's a neat thing. But you mentioned festive board. And I want to kind of talk about what's a festive board look like if if you were trying to walk a lodge through doing that. You know, talk us through the the quintessential festive board, please. Well, our festive board um, it, it pretty much starts at the cocktail hour because we always have five toasts that we do every single festive board, and that's a chance for you know brothers to talk about what's really important to them in masonry. And so we do our toasts and then we go in and um, usually we're bringing our last cocktail into the table and, you know, we'll make sure our, our food gets ordered and then uh, we'll sit down and um, pretty much start the program, whatever the program is for the evening. And, you know, occasionally we'll get interrupted by the waitress either dropping off uh, food or salad, whatever telling us about the dessert menu after the meal, whatever, but you know, it's, it, it's fine. 
you know, usually gives a chance for people to, you know, take a breather, shift in their seat, you know, think about what they want to ask the, the speaker for having a speaker or, you know, sometimes the conversation doesn't even stop. It just keeps going. You look over the waitress, you know, gesture, whatever, and then you go on. Um, you know, it's, it's a very sort of general format. I mean, that, that's how we do things, but, you know, it varies a little bit from time to time. Well, I can say Ouroboros' festive board is very similar. Uh, the, our difference is that we sit down and I, uh, as master, always have two questions loaded up. And basically we, we, we start with a question, uh, usually related to masonry in some way, and, and, but it always is connected to our lives because we we're very much into talking about our lives. And I'll start at one place and we go around the table. Now, just like you said, the waitress comes, there's like a giant pause button, bloop. Yes, I would like that. Another round. Sure. Okay, great. Play. And we just keep going. It's amazing how that happens. And, I, and you've been a part of that. And I, you adapted very quickly. And I, I thought that, like you said, there's a, a slight structure to it, but not overly so. The conversation can meander. Uh, but in the same token, it's not just everyone talking separately. It's a concerted effort to have everyone be part of the group. And so I think I've seen a couple lodges experiment with the festive board, and I completely applaud it. Well, it's it's diff, it's a difficult model to bring to larger lodges. I mean, Ouroboros, you know, you're a smaller lodge. Uh, Quinta Sanchez is a smaller lodge, uh, and Quinta, we're really tight. You and Ouroboros are really tight. I mean, you're friends outside of lodge. You do things outside of lodge together. Uh, so, it's not difficult to keep everyone engaged in the same conversation. I mean, if if nobody has anything to say, they don't have to say anything. They can sit there and listen because. Not enough people in masonry that actually listen. Most of the time, they're speaking, you know, regardless. Uh, so it, it's it's good to have a brother actually pay attention and listen. Um, oh, you going to say something? I I was. I just I didn't want to interrupt you. There was a bit of there was a, a little internet lag for a second there, and I didn't know if you were stopping. But I I want to uh, ask you something about the junior warden has a a pretty important duty that for the first time in lodge you're in charge of people. Just, you know, I hate to say it that way, but you know, you're in charge of the stewards and activating stewards and any volunteers that help with the the meal. As such, you're kind of like the guardian of the end of the line. And could you just talk a little bit about the human part of leadership of leading a group of people? And what are some best practices a junior warden can have? Because they don't off all the time pick their stewards or even recommend their stewards. They just kind of here's your stewards, and they're usually new. They usually don't know much about masonry, and they're learning. They they're learning ritual and all custom and everything else. And then on top of that, they got to do a job to help people. How do you, as junior warden, do a good job with that? Well, junior warden is a, is a, an incredibly important position. Uh, it, it's really your first big shot at leadership. And if you're going to be a lead from the front, do as much work as whatever you're asking a brother to do behind you or with you. Um, you have to pay attention. You have to play to people's strengths and weaknesses. If you know uh, a brother who's supposed to be a steward is, is not a good cook, then he can do a lot of the schlepping. He can go and get supplies. He can go you know, take out the trash. He can set the table. There's a lot of things you can do. Um, but it's it's about man management. I mean, that's it's it's leadership. It's management. That's what you're supposed to do. Um, but those are the those are the big things right there. Pay attention to who you have, even if you don't know them. Put them in a position that you want them to try out. See how they do. If it doesn't work out, you put them somewhere else. But you know, you don't want to, 
you know, frustrate somebody by throwing them in the deep end and having them do poorly. Uh, you, you want everyone to succeed. It's like if you're a teacher or you're, you're running a crew, what, whatever you're doing. It's a, like I said, it's a leadership position. So you want to help people as much as possible, as much as they want to help you, and you, you want to help them to achieve your goal. And, and one of the duties of the junior warden is to see that none convert the purpose of refreshment into temperance and excess. And that's a, a line that it, you know sometimes we overlook. And I know at a table lodge, a lot of times, I, I've been to a few table lodges and uh, not proud of the fact, but my mother, well, maybe a little bit, but my mother lodge, Meridian Lodge, they, they put on a pretty fine table lodge. But there have been a couple where things got out of hand a little bit. You know, people were really throwing them back. And uh, as a junior warden, you're watching the scene there. And uh, how, I know the worship master plays a role in this too, but as a junior warden, you kind of have a responsibility to sure. keep an eye on things. And how do you handle a brother who may be uh, kicking him back a little bit too much in the old table lodge or at a special event? Well, I mean, the, the, the best thing to do is to try to, is to make sure the situation doesn't happen. You know, you, you, like I said before, you have to pay attention. And if you see that, you know, say that the stewards, if they're, you know, filling glasses, if they're up to the brim, where only surface tension is holding them in the glass. <laughs> That's not how it's supposed to be. <laughs> right. It's like, you know, I appreciate that because who, who likes a bartender with a stiff wrist? But you, you, you want to control the portions. It's like you do with the food. So the, big, the best thing to do is just to avoid the situation. But if it does happen, we're masons. Whisper some good counsel. And hopefully that works. You, know, you don't want to embarrass your brother. But, you know, if he's imbibing a little bit too much it's like hey you know either stop or you know it's just whisper good counsel it's just you know most of the time our brother's going to be like mm, yeah you're right it's like try standing up then you'll know what i'm talking <laughs> yeah. about you know, we, like, we, we've had i a, can see it <laughs> we've had a few cases of like the mystery cab driver who called the cab uh it's for you <laughs> Uh, no, yeah, so. you know, maybe you should take this and uh, we'll get your car home tomorrow. We'll t- Oh, okay. All right. Sounds good. Um, but yeah, like you said with the council, we've had a few brothers who, you know, they, and everyone wants to have a good time, but sometimes they get a little carried away. Um, and, and table lodge can sometimes get that way. I've seen others that are a little too tight that sometimes they're, they almost could be a little bit more fun, but they just are a little too worried about that. So there's a balance to be struck there uh, at a table lodge. Absolutely. And like, it's really paying attention. I mean, I've said it like half a dozen times now. I mean, that's, that's the key to all of this. I mean, and you're managing this. So if you see things get out of hand, like I said, portion control. And if that doesn't work, you don't want to embarrass your brother. And if he's, you know, let it get, get away from him a little bit and he's, he's had a bit too much to drink, then it's like, Hey, you know, help him out. Don't embarrass him. Don't put him on the spot. Don't put the spotlight on him. Just do your best to help him out. And you know, I'll, gold I'll, rule. I'll just Golden say, absolutely. And, and I'll say for my part, when you mentioned the portion control, there's certain kinds of glasses that have really thick bottoms for the cannons, which means there's not a lot of room for the wine. <laughs> so, you know, mm-hmm. it's like if you, if you have a little bit more, you know, it slams really nice and it sounds really cool. And then I've been to table lodges where they give out wine glasses, like the stemless wine glass. That ends up badly. Now, the glasses are really nice and they're great for whiskey, but that's... <laughs> There were a few uh, deep drafts on that. So as we're starting right. to wrap up here with our discussion, to the junior wardens who may watch us in the future uh, or listen, 
what kind of recommendation do you have overall that's going to put them at ease, that's going to, you know, a few final words just to kind of make them relax and know that they're going to be successful? Um, keep it simple. Keep it simple. You're, you're, you're feeding people. Um, you know, if you, if you talk basically just about the kitchen, you're, you're feeding people. And it's, it's just like running your own household, okay? You're going to shop. You're going to plan. You've got X amount of dollars to work with. And it's, it's all common sense. Some people start to, you know, freak out a little bit that it's like, oh, I'm a junior warden. And it, it's usually coming from a good place. It's because they're very concerned. They want to succeed, so on and so forth. But just relax. It's not, you know, nobody's going to die from what you do, hopefully. Hopefully there's no botulism in your fish or anything like that. You know, so, but, um, We're serving puffer fish tonight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Be very careful. Yeah. Be very careful. Um, and just, you know, man management, put the right people in the right places, um, ask for help when you need it. And, uh, this is masonry that there are a number of brothers that if they aren't involved, if you ask them, they will help. And I just have a, a question from right works brother, Tom Gondek, who said when making meals at the lodge, what would you say is a normal time commitment? Like how much time do you really have to put in to make this work? Good question. Yeah, it's an excellent question. And if I answer it honestly, I'm going to scare away people. <laughs> um, uh, to be honest, I used to do a lot the night before. I, I did a lot of prep work. Uh, and if there's something that didn't have to be made absolutely fresh, I would prep it the night before. But yeah, it, it can be a, t a huge time commitment. Say if you're going to have like um, a 6.45 meal. I mean, I, I used to start at like 5.00 depending on what it is. And hopefully you have enough help. You know, there's somebody in there uh, cleaning dishes if they had, they weren't cleaning before, cleaning pots if they weren't cleaning before, setting the table, you know, doing the schlepping, getting the stuff back and forth um, from storage, from wherever you store it to the kitchen, if that's the case, if it's separate. Um, if you have the hands to do it and people don't aren't saddled by work, you know, at least an hour and a half is probably a good estimate. And, and that's as scary as that might be. The more time, the more relaxation, because you have a little bit more time to, you know, you get things done and put it in the keep warm so it's ready for the moment. Uh, I've been to many a lodge meetings where lodge opens at seven thirty, and everyone says, "All right, let's go upstairs and open, go to refreshment, and we'll come back down so we can eat." And then we're eating at eight fifteen, and it's just a long night. And so, getting having a little bit of that lag time, uh, lead time, I should say, uh, helps a lot. Because yeah, meals are different. Meals are different than refreshment because, you know, the refreshment after is really a good chance to be creative. That's where I used to be creative because you don't have to make a whole lot because by the time you're done with your meeting, it is 8.30 or quarter to nine or something like that. So nobody needs to sit down and have, you know, a big plate of meatloaf. You know, it's just not, not a good idea. Might well, taste good. Well. You're no. going to regret it. <laughs> yeah, you you're will. You're going to regret it. You will. And now, uh, Brother Jason, do you have any, uh, you would like to give any shout outs or anything uh, or anything that you're excited for in masonry in the coming months? Is something that you're really juiced to, to say, yeah, I'm looking forward to that? Huh. Well, uh, looking forward to actually having a live meeting. <laughs> that would be nice to see all the brothers that we haven't seen in a while. Uh, hopefully, you know, things get better and that can happen. Well, I'm keep, I'll certainly keep my fingers crossed for that. Um, I've been doing some live meetings, but I know what you mean. There's still a couple, yeah, it's just, it's not the same. We just want, we want to get the back slapping back in and, uh, and bring back that fun and merriment and include the food that is right, gonna be there. Yep. 
Yeah, because fellowship is what masonry is. And, you know, it's it's really hard to pull off in the times of COVID. But I just I want to put this out there. If anybody who's going to be a junior warden, who is junior warden, look up on my information on Grandview. Reach out. I'll help you. That's awesome. And I, 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 I may not cook for you, but I'll help you. <laughs> yeah. You'll help you plan them. Plan the cook. That's great. And so I just want to say thank you so much for being here tonight. Um, your experience is going to help so many Masons, hopefully, uh, plan out a meal, execute a meal, and feel confident that they can push the limits a little bit. Because you did, and you certainly uh, shook things up a little bit. But in the end of the day, I think people were really, really happy with your time, your multiple years as junior warden. Right. If it tastes good, you can get away with a lot. <laughs> That's great. Hey, thanks so much, Brother Jason. I appreciate it. Anytime. Thank you, Nick. So as we wrap up today, I just, that's an awesome presentation. And I, when I was junior warden, I was nervous as heck. And I wish I could do that. I don't know. I don't know if I really wish I'd do it again, but I do wish I could redo it a little bit because there are things that I would love to cook and things that I would like to try that I may not have the courage to the first time around. So when you're thinking about approaching junior warden, it's your first real operational control it's the first time that you as a, a leader are doing something in the lodge where it's completely on you and although the worshipful master is supervising you you, you the show is on you so i hope that this was informative made you think uh in the next week and i'm, I'm working out the exact date and i'll have this on facebook shortly uh i'll be working with right worship brother tom gondek and we're talking about the marshal's chair some of you may say, what does the marshal do? And he's got a very small role. Maybe it's time to expand it. So we're going to talk about some options for the marshal's chair, ways that you can look at the marshal's chair and say, boy, I, that's a real special chair. And we want to make every chair feel that way. So a lot of times we do like a separate seminar for uh, secondary offices. Well, next week, our focus will be on the marshal's chair, what to do with it, and how we can make it a real special place in Lodge. I want to thank everyone who was on the chat tonight and just watching it from home uh, we've been getting great numbers from brothers across the state of connecticut hundreds of brothers turn we think they're brothers we <laughs> they're men from age uh 30 to 60 so we appreciate you tuning in uh and again if you've got questions send me a message on facebook or you can email me nick ives at ctfreemasons.net and maybe you got an idea for a show or you got something you want to say um reach out let's talk thanks a lot for being here see you soon